Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Peaceful Growth, a show about learning tools, tips, strategies to grow your business, life and career without burning out. I'm your host Anil Gupta, CEO and co-founder of Multidots, Multinga Lab and Dot Store. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's uh, episode of Peaceful Growth and uh, my today's guest is uh, Rich. Hey Rich. Hey Neil, how's it going? Doing good. Um, so Rich, thank you for joining in today. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of interesting things that um, I wanted to specifically um, ask you and, and discuss about it. So how about we start with your introduction? Do you mind telling where are you from? What do you do or anything uh, that uh, you would like to add there? Sure. So I'm originally from New Jersey uh, about about almost 20 years ago, I think, I moved to Colorado and started uh, Secret Stash, which is a on-demand web development agency that partners with creative agencies. We essentially help creative agencies who either don't have full-time development staff or need help in specific uh, technology stacks. We help them build websites for their clients. Um, and tell us about your the name of your company. How did you uh, came to this name? Yeah, it's it's you know, uh, it, it turns out that a lot of people who probably feel the same way. But Secret Stash had no, uh, there was no motive behind it. It's interesting mm -hmm. because living in Colorado, uh, oftentimes people think that maybe it has to do with a powder stash, skiing, or a weed stash because marijuana is legal here, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it's neither of those things. Uh, mm. I just, years and years and years ago would, you know, spend money on domains. And uh, at the time when I moved out to Colorado, uh, one of the girls who I was living with, uh, one of my roommates, uh, she was infatuated with mustaches and it was mustache this, mustache that. And so secret stashes came to me. The domain was available. I bought it. And then when it came to deciding what the business name would be, I just looked through my domains and and that was the one I picked. Of course, now it, there is some context that was unintended, but you know, for instance, uh, it is nice that there's some innuendo there as we're yeah. sort of a key brand, but mm -hmm. also we are a creative agency, secret stash in a lot of ways. So it has evolved into context, but it wasn't intentional. Yeah. And I think uh, it goes really well with, um, um, you know, the, like when you when we go to your website, you know we can see the whole the vibe that you are presenting on your website. I think mm -hmm. it goes really uh, well with uh, with that message. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we did when we rebranded, we rebranded it in twenty twenty one, end of 2020, 2021, We we uh, received the EIDL disaster relief fund and. You know, by the time we received the money, uh, we didn't really need it to survive anymore. So we used it for marketing purposes and we had enough to go through a rebrand. And that was the goal. It was we wanted to be this lighthearted, goofy uh, company that that focused on things that were contrary to what you would normally see in the corporate world. So um, it sets the vibe for, you know, the type of work you're going to get with us or the type of attitude you're going to get working with us. Right. And so in a lot of ways, it can be a filter for people who mm. think we're unprofessional right that they'll they'll see the brand they'll see sort of the messaging uh and they'll realize that we're not a good fit right and so that's nice to have um and then also a lot of times people you know it, it it's a a warm you know uh 
I don't know, I would really even think about it, but you know, it's, it's an easy company, right? We're mm-hmm. not hard to talk to it, you know, mm-hmm. you know and, and that is, that's worked out pretty well too, I think. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, how big is your team, um, Rich? So we have our, our development team is in Ukraine. Um, we are at nine. We hired uh, a ninth last week and we are recruiting um, another. So we'll have 10 probably by the end of October. And then in the US, we have uh, myself and one other full time client facing manager and two uh, part time managers. So what is that? That's 13 and we'll probably be 14 by the end of October. Hmm. And um, how long ago did you start it, uh, this this business? Technically, we've been around since 2006. Okay. But I didn't make enough money. And that was, at that time, that was really just a side hustle. It became, you know, a, it, it, the revenue got to a point where I could, you know, justify making it my full-time income. It wasn't a true business in the sense that it had, you know, employees and things like that until I think 2012. So it was like six years of freelance before making that transition into, you know, the investment that's required, you know, for for these types of things to grow. Yeah. And um, how do you define the growth, define or measure the growth of your business through revenue, number of clients, like if there is anything that you want to share there? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good question. It's hard to answer. Um, revenue is the hardest thing to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tend to, you know, try to measure at least success, you know, of a goal based on things that are a little bit more in my court, you know, so how many leads that I speak with, or, you know, how many conversations, how many opportunities do we bid on and things like that. Um, we do try to get 25% year over year growth. That's, that's a goal. So, you know, you can reverse engineer that a little bit. Okay. Well, if, if our conversion rate is this and mm. you know, we have to talk to this many leads for that, like how many leads do I have to have talk you, to? Have you been meeting this goal, 25% growth rate a year by year over year or like? Uh... We started actually with that deliberately in 2021, mm-hmm. 2022, we had 75% growth. Oh, nice. This year, we're probably flat Okay. from last year. Last year, I think might've been more of an outlier than true growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at our 10 year plan, we're still on track a little bit ahead, but you know, I made the mistake last year of, or at the end of last year, budgeting this year based off of last year's growth and not maybe normalizing a couple years. So yeah. I won't make the mistake again because you know, we're doing okay because we are very, very conservative with our savings, but mm-hmm. you know, right now we're catching up. We're about 10% behind where we should be, but we're about 75% above where we should be in expenses. You know, so <laughs> all those things combined is kind of, it would, would otherwise be scary, but, um, but we've saved so much money and, you know, we'll still be profitable. It's just, it's going to be single digit profit this year, probably. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the flat growth rate uh, this year, um, I just wanted to mention something. And I went to WordCamp US this year, mm-hmm. uh, three months ago oh. um, in Maryland. And, during the WordCamp US, we um, I talked to a couple of other uh, agency owners, like they are maybe not just WordPress, they might also be in the digital uh, services offering. But that was like kind of like a common uh, theme that I heard again and again from the other entrepreneurs and agency owners that 
their growth rate this year has been either slow or the same as the last year. So uh, I think it looks like uh, maybe uh, not just your agency, but pretty much a lot of other agencies that I've been talking to. They and that, that would make sense because our work comes from agencies. Hmm. So we don't have any work with end clients. So right. if they're not getting the work, we're not getting the work. You know, so yeah, makes um, sense. we're sort of at the mercy there. It's probably like our least defensible area is that if the agency world has issues, we have issues. Hmm. Yeah. So I have two, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have two questions um, on, on that. The first one is you mentioned that from 2006 until 20, 2012, it was a side hustle and then you went full time um, uh, from 2012. So between 2006 and 2012, for that, I think six years of time, um, like if you can tell a little bit about that, what motivated you to go full time, um, or like how was that that phase for you in the beginning of the business? Yeah. So when I moved to Colorado, I didn't move for a career. In fact, I left a career to be a ski bum. Really, I moved to snowboard. It was the you know my prime objective was just to go snowboard, figure things out, and then come back six months later. Um, and it was just happenstance that I stayed. I, you know, I, I, I had signed a 12 month lease and I, I became very close with one of my roommates and I didn't want to leave them hanging. So I said, okay, I'll just stay the summer too. And then I'll leave. But then once you experience Colorado in the summer, especially in the mountains, it's very, very hard to leave because there's a saying that a lot of people will, will talk about it's, you know, everyone comes to Colorado for the mountains in the wintertime, but they stay for the mountains in the summertime. And it's absolutely true. It's beautiful. Mm. The weather is unreal you know it could be 95 degrees but there's very little humidity so if you find shade it's 65 degrees it's, it's just one of those places where it's hard to experience any other way than being there you know and so i stayed for that year uh and then um i can't i can't remember exactly what kept me there but i i had so much fun that i was like okay i'll do it one more year and it was i think it was a couple years i'm gonna do it one more year gonna do it one more year um but i had built a a website. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I sort of just hacked together a WordPress website that focused on the local snowboarding. Um, and it got real popular. This is like very, very early days of social media. This is a year or two after Facebook actually allowed people who weren't in college to register. You know, it's not, you know, it's dating us back there. There's no Instagram, there's no TikTok or any of these more, you know, real time media platforms. And so, uh, it just so happened that we were there at the very beginning. And so we exploded, we got really big, really quickly. And as a result of that, you know, I had opportunities to build other small business websites because, you know, it's a small mountain town. There are not many people who understand tech. So I was the one tech guy, you know? Uh, so I was, you know, moonlighting in that sense with web design, but what my real income was really from, uh, working in a restaurant. Uh, you know, and then in the off seasons, whatever odd jobs I could pick up landscaping, uh, or catering, um, pretty much anything, you know? And so, uh, the nice thing about it was that I, you know, I was 26 and had roommates. I'm not sure if that's unusual or not, but, um, in a mountain town, it's not unusual mountain mm -hmm. town, age to having roommates because it's so expensive to live there, you know? Yeah. But with roommates, my nut monthly was very, very little. I think I paid like $600 in rent. Um, you know, didn't have a lot of disposable, uh, disposable income. So, you know, cooked every night and, you know, you make it work. Hmm. Um, 
So it didn't take much for me to realize that, and I, you know, I wish I had journaled the amount of money that I was forecasting for whatever year it was that I decided I wasn't going to go back to the restaurant, that I was going to give this a full-time shot, but I didn't. But I would be surprised if it was any more than $30,000 gross, because as a freelancer, gross is your revenue, right? Like Mm. you're not, you're not really investing in tech, you're not investing in outsourcing and any of that. So it might've been 30 grand. I don't know. Today, it seems like that's the minimum I could have gone for, but who knows back then, maybe it was less. Hmm. Um, and that was basically the, that was it at the time. I didn't have any larger goals, you know, in my head, I'd always wanted to work for myself and I'd always had these side hustles, you know? Um, so the moment that I was able to create financial independence, albeit very, very low level of independence, you know, that was it. I didn't have any other goals. It was only until, uh, I felt stuck where I was in mm. Vail that I realized that it wasn't, I wasn't going to grow anymore. It didn't matter like what I did with the business. I, I personally wasn't going to be able to grow in that area just because there weren't enough people who were doing the things that I was doing and moving to Denver was sort of like a chapter two, chapter one being, you know, identifying that there was this thing that people were willing to pay for and that I could have that financial independence. And then moving to Denver was sort of like, okay, now like take it seriously. Like, how far can you take this? But at that time, I don't know that I really had any intention of building a company. It was just that I wanted to build something for myself. And then, you know, I'm not great at everything. And that's the problem is that, you know, you have to do front end development, you have to do back end development, you have to do sales and marketing, you have to do operations. And it's just too much for anyone to be good at anything. And so that's what I really ran into is that I wasn't, I was very good at focusing But as soon as I was pulled into many different directions, I couldn't get anything done. I couldn't get like the quality of work done that I wanted. So, you know, Upwork or whatever it was called back then, you know, Mm -hmm. just made things easy. It was like perfect timing for someone like me because all the tools were there for us to build the team. And then, you know, the fact that it's in Ukraine was sort of something that happened later down the road. At first, I didn't care where the developers were from. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first developer I hired, Victoria, is still with the company. So it's it's, it's pretty cool. You know, she's been with the company for, you know, I guess that would be almost almost 10 years now, probably. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned about your 10-year goals or plan. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Like, what you, what is your 10-year plan and goal? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I, the 10 year plan is like tongue in cheek, right? Because I think that having North star goals, goals that, you know, if you say it to enough people, a good percentage of those people will roll their eyes at you, like those types of goals, the goals that are like, what are they called? The big, hairy, scary goals or whatever. I forget. There's like a, it's meant to be something that other people don't. Yeah. I think it's big, hairy, audacious. Yeah. Goal. Big, hairy, audacious goals. Yeah. I'm, I forget who, who it was that said that, but. Um, it was, um. Uh... Uh, Jim Collins from Good to Great. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and so uh, I think it's important to have those goals, but especially seeing how much of I've been doing a lot of a lot of reflection lately, and so like, it's it's just you know looking back at what happened. Hmm. If I look back and I narrate it, I can narrate it in such a way where it was deliberate, but none of it was deliberate. Oh, the only thing that was deliberate. Do is you mind sharing what what that ten year goal looked like, so then we can connect a little bit more. Well, it was really just a re- revenue goal and okay. in, in revenue goal. It, 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 the only reason why it was that number was because it sounded good. 
Hmm. And I was, I was talking to a guy who does our ads and he and I are around the same age and we're, you know, businesses of the same size. And I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, my 10 year goal is five mil and chill. Hmm. Right. Hmm. I have no, I have no like requirements in my life to reach 5 million in revenue. Okay. And from where we are today, that would be a gigantic leap. It really would require, hmm. you know, unending 25% year over year growth. Hmm. Um, it sounded cool. And so I was like, okay, let's, that's it. That's the goal. But I like having a goal like that because it's there, but no, like our goals are always uh, much more tight. Like this year I want to do this because I think this is the right thing for the company. Mm. And then um, I have no interest in getting to 5 million in revenue anymore. I, the, the size of the company that would be required is not the type of company I want to run. Um, so that's why it's like, it's like, it's like a in tongue in cheek. I don't care. What I want is by the end of next year, to have a team in place that allows the business to run without me. Um, I, I don't have any qualification beyond that. I, I didn't mm. say run effectively, <laughs> mm. right? I just want to know that the company can run mm. with me and then effectively will come, right? Because right now there's too many things that have to happen, uh, you know, or I need to do in order for them to happen. And, and, and I never had the team and now we have the team. And so it's, it's a, a matter of just, you know, offloading all of those things that I keep in my head into processes and things like that. So, you know, I don't know, some people who, if you go to school for business, you probably are more likely to follow those types of structures. But I found that just being agile and not, and giving yourself permission to change your mind as often mm -hmm. as you need to is, is, is uh, more of the way that I seem to, to work anyway, you know? Yeah. So what's your inspiration for like what inspired you or what triggered you to focusing on making sure the business runs without you or with your minimal in involvement? Yeah, well, you know, there's there's the likelihood of a service company like mine being acquired is quite low. Hmm. Um, but those things that, you know, uh, a purchaser would expect to see in the business, they're the same things that are required in order for an owner to go on sabbatical, hmm. right? Either way, like whether you yeah. sell your business or not, for your business to be successful, it has to be able to run without you. You, you have to make sure that at some point you remove yourself from the list of assets. Hmm. And so to me, it's really just that. Um, it has nothing to do with uh, my interest in, in stepping away or, or, or even doing less work than I do. I, I love what I do. And so, you know, I wouldn't know what to fill my time with. And uh, so 40 hours a week, it's like, yeah, I'm still going to do 40 hours a week, probably, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But maybe I'll get to work on some other things that are more interesting. You know, one of the, one of the best benefits of, of, of this journey is that, you know, you get really good at something and then you hand it off. Hmm. You get really good at something and that you hand it off. And you get really good at something and you hand it off. So it's like you get to like be a beginner and mm -hmm. then an expert. And then as soon as you get to a point where you think that, there's diminishing returns for the business for you to do anymore. You find somebody else to do it. I think that's that's the one lesson that I had to learn. Like, and I I made the mistake more often is that you probably should never ever let yourself get so good at that thing that you're doing mm -hmm. that the cost to replace you is more than you can afford. Mm -hmm. You should always figure out like like okay, get to a point where it's like I am worth twenty five dollars an hour in this job. And then, because I can afford, say that's all you can afford. Then yeah, now you can afford twenty five dollars. Don't get to a point where you're like, I'm I'm a two hundred dollar an hour employee because like now you got to hire a two hundred dollar employee to replace you. So it's like, right. 
and if you think about the like what the business business would benefit from from some number to 200 everything in between is diminishing returns nobody notices the difference right mm. but the expert <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a level there and i think that's something you have to define for yourself but like as you start to do these things it's like okay i'm really good at this it's like but i'm 25 dollars good i'm 50 dollars good i'm 100 dollars good now i catch myself every mm. now and again how good am i if i were to have to hire someone to replace me what would it cost me and if i say to myself oh i can't afford that it's like okay <laughs> well you know what i mean like there's something that's yeah. aligned you need to figure out how to fix that and so that's that's sort of what is interesting to me now is like you know i've offloaded development on the front end and the back end and i've offloaded account management that was a big thing for last year and now i'm offloading the general project management mm-hmm. the last and the hardest thing because i am too good at it is the technical project management mm-hmm. so in order to hire someone like me i you know they would take up too much of our revenue yeah so i have to hire a junior but when you hire a junior you can't replace yourself you basically just now have somebody to do you know some of the work right yeah um, so that's that that's where we're at with that um but to answer your question more specifically um you know people you know i, I always tell people like, like what i do is really fulfilling and mm. i love what i do and people mistake what i mean by that because like, well how how could you be fulfilled by building websites and and usually you're talking to people who don't work for themselves so they don't quite understand that what we do has nothing to do with the fulfillment right yeah um you could say that in chapter one the fulfillment was just having that financial independence that's it i'm fulfilled because i get to be my own boss and then you know you, you need more and so you you say okay well what's the next thing well i get i got fulfillment in trying to build a team because i'd never done that before i have no experience doing that that was really fun and so moving into the next chapter like what is it going to be i think it's like i want to build a company that the clients would never want to stop working we're so good that we're, we're so good that you couldn't imagine a professional career like, i don't know how to say this yet because i'm still thinking about it but it's along mm-hmm. the lines of for their entire professional career they wouldn't want to work with anybody else right that's a goal it's, it's like how do you build a company that the clients would actually believe that to be true and the more i thought about that i was like well that's only half of it the other half is i want to build a company where your employees wouldn't want to work with anyone else for their professional career not to say that they won't leave but that you build a company that they wouldn't have to leave that it gives them growth it gives them fulfillment it gives them autonomy it pays them well, you know, it does all the things that they'd be seeking elsewhere because you couldn't provide it. And so that's the motivation now, because that's a huge endeavor. And, I, you know, how do you do it? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. And I think it's a work in progress. But I think that uh, if you, if you, you know, a lot of times I have to let these things sit for a minute. Do I really want this? Do I really want this? And, and at some point I'll, I'll say, okay, this is it. This is locked in. Now it's like reverse engineer that. Practically, what does that look like? What are the things that have to be true? And usually the first thing is with the with the client side is you can't ever stop with getting better and same mm. price, releasing more value, right? So that like you every every time, because we're not we're not cheap, we're probably among the you know the more expensive services uh, with regard to you know website development. So mm-hmm. every time when they see our invoices you know they that they have to be thinking well could we get this cheaper right and so mm. just keep hitting them with all the value that we add um that nobody else can really can really offer and then on the 
and you know, on the employee side, it's, you know, it's pretty simple. I have to pay myself less and just build the company. Right. Uh, which I, you know, you know, you're starting to read about with the auto, uh, um, auto worker union on strike and things like that, where the CEOs are one CEO is like 300 X the median salary or hundred X the median salary mm-hmm. solve pro- solvable problem. Mm. And like, it's probably true that you should never have be that much ahead of your employees, especially a company like ours. So, you know, mm. so it's like, well, that's it. It's like, you know, like have a deliberate profit margin that you want to hit and everything above that goes back into the company, whether it be yeah. for education or for the employee salaries or bonuses and just make sure that you manufacture it that way. Big endeavors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that, Rich. And I think there are a lot of uh, interesting things that you mentioned, uh, but specifically, um, I like your goal of that how, and especially the question that you are asking, that how um, I can, what can I do to have, you know, the clients works with, with you and your employee stays with you? And I think that's really good uh, um, way to kind of think about, you know, uh, solving that problem. Because when I started Multidots in 2009, um, I kind of like had the, the very similar, you know, thought process. And I was like, if it, because I didn't have any business experience, I have a like engineering background, um, I've been developer and I know how to build uh, websites and stuff like that. Uh, but running a business is something has never actually occurred to me. I mean, in the sense like it was something that not I even I don't have an experience or expertise or a background in. Uh, but there was only one thing that actually helped me in that moment, which was the same thing. I was like, any business has these three different um, things, you know, that as an entrepreneur, that if I can take care of that, you know, then I, I have a business. And one of them was client. Uh, then we have the your team members, uh, and then you have the company itself. You know, so the these three 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 entity, and it's alignment between these three. You know, so the way I see the alignment is like as an entrepreneur, which one I should focus on more. You know, so and that's alignment is like should I focus more on the client? Should I more focus on the company and organization and and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or I should focus more on my team, and um, one thing at that moment, my decision was to focus on only one because if I try to focus on all three, probably I will not be able to do you know the balance in a way. So I yeah. started focusing on my team and the way I see it, like especially in the service industry, um, I'm not the one who's talking to the client every day. You know, it's my team who are actually delivering an experience, especially in the service industry. I think it's we need to be a people first company that's what i kind of like figured out that time if you are a product company like if you have like a product or SaaS business then you should be a product first you know but if you are into consumer uh not consumer but like commodities then you should be a price first company so like focusing on the price more than anything else uh if you're if you are into commodities because you know that's where the price whoever has the cheaper price wins yeah. but especially in the service what i learned is that you need to be a people first company because if your people, your team member, if they take care, take good care of your client, you know, then uh, then your clients are happy, you know, and if clients are happy, they will take care of your company by paying you, you know, and making sure that your revenue and growth and profit, all of those are maintained. And if company is 
like healthy, you know, financially, then and in a way, you know, the company will take care of the the people, like you know, by paying them well and making sure that they they stay with you. So that's where I kind of like started the circle. Like if I focus on the team, team will focus on the client. The client will help grow the company, and company will continue to focus and invest and grow the the people. Yeah, that's 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 very similar to what's happening for us. You know, we we're fortunate to have uh, the number two in the company. Alex is in Kiev, Ukraine, and he focuses on the, on the development team. So mm. the product, if there is one, right, the frameworks that we build and stuff like that, mm. that's in his hands now. And so I can trust him to just handle it. So I only really have to worry about the two mm. two things now. I have to worry about operations and the business, and then and then the the US based team. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, there's there's also this concern that I have that, you know, are we going to fragment culture because there's a clear divide between the client-facing team that's here in the U.S. and the development product deliverable team that's in the Ukraine? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the answer is yeah, like it will fragment if we're not if we're not careful. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those problems that I'm aware of, but it still gets pushed on the list because, you know, you can't solve every problem at once, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also very cyclical in the sense that, I like to say, what what is this year's focus, right? So, yeah, uh, this year's focus was the U.S. based team, and so like as we move out of you know into the last quarter and out of this year, what'll be the next year? I think next year's focus will be to scale, and so you know it'll be more about process, operations, sales, you know, and so then the year after that will be like, oh, you know, I want to work on product again, and and so and that's the other thing that I really love is that I get to make these decisions, and you know, they may not be the decisions that a mentor or a business coach would want me to have necessarily, right? Yeah. But it's my decision. And I always have, you know, the the coaches and the mastermind groups there to make sure that I'm not, you know, leading too naively. Hmm. But at the end of the day, like the naivety is what got me here in the first place. This belief that I can take on big challenges without any experience. And I don't really want to lose that because it's it's the fun part. You know, yeah. I think there's, you know, for the, you know, for a long period of my life, I risked my body. You know, I like snowboarding. I have, you know, plates in my arm. I've had more concussions than pro football players. You know, I, I, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, I've, I've made some bad decisions and took risks that weren't worth it. But it's part of it, right? Is like that's what the excitement is. And now I'm very careful with my body, and the risks that I take are more financial. Um, their bets on you know things that you can't like tech bets bets which i mean like these days it's like hmm. you're almost always going to make a mistake there yeah but that's the fun part and to to like remove that would make me feel like i'm just i just bought myself a business or i bought myself a job i think is what they say right it's like it doesn't yeah. feel like entrepreneurship it feels like a job and then it doesn't matter if i'm the only you know stakeholder it still doesn't sound as fun so i, I don't know I, i'm always balancing between that Mm. Okay, guys, so if you're interested to check out how Multicollab works and how Multicollab can solve your problems or improve your content publishing workflow, you can go to our website and click on the Try Demo tab in the menu section. Then simply fill out your details and there you go. Now you have access to the demo environment where you can test all the amazing features that Multicollab has to offer. So let's talk a little bit about the culture and the values um, because the goal that you mentioned about how you can keep, you know, your employees and clients forever with the company, you know, so that I think the culture, you know, uh, and the values, that culture values uh, through the experience, you know, how both our team members and our clients experience. Um, so 
culture and value plays a big role there. Uh, and we kind of like talked about that few uh, few weeks ago when we we got connected. So, um, do you want to talk about that? Like, how do you see the value and the culture in in this in this goal? Yeah, this is a big one too, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like as an anecdote, I always like to start this conversation with a uh, with kind of like a thought exercise. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will say, as entrepreneurs, if I could just clone myself, right? If I could just clone myself, I could get all these things done. And it's an interesting thing to say because it's ridiculous. But what I think might be more true is that you're not necessarily trying to clone yourself. You're trying to clone someone with the same values. Hmm. And obviously, it's, this is an anecdote, right? But And what I mean by that is like, you're not looking for yourself. You're looking for someone who thinks like you, who acts like you, who behaves like you. And so I think when it comes to culture, when it's, you know, this, this is with, you know, your personal life or your business life, I think it looks different, meaning that it's multicultural, it's multigender, it's all of those things, mm -hmm. but it thinks the same, right? So it's like a lot of those things tend to coincide, you know, like your actual culture, right? You know, your upbringing, a lot of times that does reflect your values and core values, but not always, right? And so what I look for in interviewing has nothing to do with experience. It has, you know, you just feed in these questions, like which of the following, you know, is more important to you. And I, I just put in my core values and like the more likely that you say the things that I would say, the more likely, like I'm going to want to work with you because most of the time, the work that we're trying to hire for is teachable. Yeah. Right. It's all teachable. And I've learned that, you know, a small business really can only afford to hire junior people. You know, when you start to hire senior people, you know, the worst possible thing that you could have is a really good person with opinions. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not yeah. looking for opinions. I'm looking for people to actually follow a set of instructions mm. that I've defined based on nuance that you don't know. So even though mm. you're very, very intelligent, you don't know the nuance that I know. And yeah, there are reasons why I think they're done this way. So usually the more junior, the less likely you run into that. Well, if that's, if that's the case, right, well, then all you need is somebody who, you know, would walk the same path that you would. So for us, those values, uh, well, at least for me, the, you know, the number one core value is lifelong learning, right? And so if you see that manifested in our company, you'll see that we never actually look at our product, like the, the framework, the websites that we build as done. There's mm -hmm. always something that we can improve on. And so there's a, a mentality in our culture that every single time we finish a project, we think through the rec like the retrospective, right? Like what yeah. went really well, what could we have improved on? And we really focus on those things that we can improve on. Um, I think lifelong learning is, is, is an easy one, um, but I, I don't know that everyone would put it at the top, hmm. right? Um, the other thing that's interesting about having values and manifesting them through your company is that you can't just say that your core value is lifelong learning and then that's it. You put it on the wall or something, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that we're implementing, it'll probably be uh, like out and about in 2024 is if I believe that lifelong learning is important, I should incentivize everyone in our team who acts on that, hmm. but we shouldn't limit what that means. Meaning that lifelong learning does not just mean you do something to improve yourself or secret stash. It's you improve yourself. Because in my opinion, it doesn't matter what it is. If you are continually looking to improve yourself, we benefit from that indirectly, but also probably directly. Yeah. So if you want to go and get your 
yoga teacher certification will incentivize you for that. Hmm. And what does that look like? I don't know. You know, it, it could be anything. It doesn't matter. You know, it could be straight up cash. It could be a, an extra day or two off. It could be, you know, paid vacation. Depending on how complicated it is to succeed, right? It would be tiered. And so some of them, you know, would be things that are, you know, directly related to their career. So if it's a developer, maybe it's a developer course, or, you know, if somebody's looking to get healthy, it's like, okay, well, if you do this, like, you know, 60 day, you know, uh, uh, hell week or whatever they do, like, you know, yeah. or if in, you know, all you gotta do is just show that you completed it and that, that is succeeding. Right. And, mm. and so things like that are, are really important. Um, but the core values is a, is a, you know, we, we, we talked about like there's exercises that mm. you, you do to, to find your core values. I was going to ask that question. Like, how do you, like a lot of entrepreneurs and even individuals, you know, we all kind of like get that, like, you know, the values are important, but people also struggle finding those values because yeah, like realizing that what are my core values uh, in, yeah. as an individually or what are the core value core values of the company? It's kind of like challenging. So what kind of like was your process to find your core values? So I was introduced to a, an exercise um, years and years, probably 20 years ago, back in Vail. Uh, I was a, uh, a member of the Vail Leadership Institute. Uh, this is in the Vail Valley, Colorado. And uh, it was a really cool, out of nowhere, just like right in the middle of mountains, this organization that focused on building leaders for the local community. And uh, I was in a really eclectic group. It was, uh, you know, uh, an executive for Beaver Creek Mountain, uh, the runner-up to Top Chef, the original Top Chef, um, you know, a, a woman who owned an accounting firm, you know, just it was all over the place. I was the only person to tech. I, I had no business being in the same room with them as a freelancer, but... Um, you know, I built the website for the company and they were like forced to put me in. Um, mm. But anyway, we went on a retreat and it's just a deck of cards and you can actually get the deck. Of, so the, the deck of cards that I use is different from what you would get on Amazon. But if you just go to Amazon, you say values cards, okay. you know, it's a deck of cards, 52, uh, 52 cards, right? Uh, 27 cards are usually head values. 27 cards are usually heart values. A head value would be like intelligence. If mm -hmm. that's important, heart value would be love, right? It's very yeah. obvious. And the exercise is through a series of rounds, you narrow down those cards to the things that stand out to you, right? So the first thing to do is path. Yes, no, right? So this this appeals to me in any way or it doesn't. And you just go through all of them that way. And then you move the ones that you said no out of the way all together. And then you compile the next one and you try to go half of that. Um, mm. And, you know, you go through three, four, five rounds of it. and the first couple rounds are simple and then the rounds get harder and harder and harder. Yeah. And eventually you get down to a point where you're hopefully getting to like no more than five, hmm. um, ideally three. And the reason that I was told is that any more than three is really hard to actually live a life guided by those things. Hmm. And I was, this is something where you sort of like your personality will define how this works. I don't have the ability to, uh, differentiate between my personal life and my entrepreneurial life. Mm -hmm. So they're the same core values, mm. right? But what are those people, three values? If you do you mind sharing that? Yeah. Uh, yep, it's lifelong learning, mm -hmm. uh, community, and resilience. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and usually you you know like 
when you ask somebody, hey, do you know what your core values are? And they're like, oh, yeah. And then you're just like, okay, what are they? And then they go into like a narrative. They don't know mm-hmm. what their core values are, right? Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of this is that you want to have a word or a phrase, right? Like lifelong learning. Um, and then there's an explanation behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And so lifelong learning is I like, it's the one thing that has stayed constant through my, my entire life is that like, I've always been drawn and curious in, in an insatiable way. Mm-hmm. So even today, uh, you know, I remember when the the lockdowns happened, I, I, I watched every single DIY video on YouTube that probably existed at the time. Right. And it didn't matter what it was. If, if I'm watching an expert do what they're an expert at, mm. that is perfect entertainment for me. Right. Yeah. So it's just consuming these things, you know, mm. uh, or, you know, like I'll go through phases of reading a book a week and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, of course I have to go through cycles of it because I get bored of one thing and then go to another, but yeah, so that's what lifelong learning is. It's like, it doesn't really matter what I'm learning. I have mm. to be in that sense. Um, but practically when it meant snowboarding, I was the guy who would hike a feature in the, in the terrain park for okay. six hours. And then, you know, eventually people would see me doing it and they would join me. And the next thing you know, there's like a crew of 20 people just working on the same trick over and over and over and over again, like putting in the work repetition, right? And that's the resilience. It's mm-hmm. like getting knocked over, getting back up, getting knocked over, getting back up. And then all of a sudden getting to a point where it's flawless, right? Um, so with, you know, the business, it's the same thing, right? It's, you know, uh, you know, figure out what the problem is. Bam, mm-hmm. bam, bam. Figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Now all of a sudden you're better than everybody, right? And it just it just so happens that the only difference between the best and everyone else is failing forward, right? It's just yeah. that resilience. And then community is very specific to subcultures. So I like when I say community, I don't mean like I care that I, I'm in Denver and Denver is my community. I'm not involved in politics. That's not what I mean. What right. I mean is the snowboard community when that was important in my life, the skateboard community when that was important in my life, the entrepreneurial community now, the tech community now. So like I get really involved, right? And so even the way that you and I were introduced was through a member, uh, Robbie from the WordPress community. You know, we know each other because we both got very, very immersed in the WordPress community, and mm-hmm. we've been in the community for very, very long time. I mean, we're like the grandfathers of it at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's like the conferences that I go to. It's not just good enough to go to them. I have to become friends with the people who organize them, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's that type of stuff. I can't just be an attendee. I have to be a participant in some way. Yeah. So those are the three things. Now, if I had to add five, um, oof, I haven't thought about it. inclusion is one. So diversity inclusion is is would be four or five. And then there was one other. Uh, at, at one point, it was ambition. I, I've removed ambition because ambition can be uh, a dirty word too. And, yeah. Um, but when I like when I didn't have success, it was important. Mm. Now that I've felt like, like I've like the only person who can define success for you is yourself. And so I've already defined that. In fact, the moment that I was, you know, financially independent, that was it for me. I, you couldn't tell me I wasn't successful at that point. Didn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if 35 grand a year had nothing to do with my success in my hand, in my head, you know? Um, but now that I actually have passed that, I don't see ambition as like the, the right thing. Um, and that's actually an interesting thing about the values exercise is that it's not always going to be the case that this is like set in stone. Right. Like I, I, I remember 
a guy who was not in my group in the, in the leadership institute but was like you know part of one of the groups and we were friends and he had said that he had just had a kid and so when he did the the next time ha- after having a kid or it was right before mm-hmm. uh, he did the exercise and he put money there okay and, and he's very he's not a like a greedy person mm-hmm. like, oh, i need money like I, I i can't keep playing around like i need to earn money because now i have this dependent right yeah so um i think that's part of it too is as you do these things you are trying to get to the heart of it and a lot of these things will not change but you're allowed to change them hmm. so you do the exercise right you, you you throw it all together and then you sort of put it aside and then you keep doing it yeah see like is it is it consistent because one of the phenomenons of this of this exercise is that the first time you do it especially if you do it in a group you don't necessarily pick the truth you pick the thing that you project I, mm. I want this person. yeah and i think that's the dangerous part is that you're not really supposed to like pick things that you want to become you're yeah. trying to find the core things that are like deep inside you who you are yeah right because one if you're in a mastermind mm-hmm. group and you know somebody else's core values you also know how to react hmm like you'll know like so a lot of people like the 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 group i was in was it was a religious organization that founded it so most people were uh devout christians and you know i was sort of an outlier in that sense but like i recognized that i had to respond in a very certain way because their core values were not aligned in the same way mine were hmm. but i knew what their words was my responsibility right yeah so that's one way but also because if you know your you know your peers core values you can tell them when they're going mm. mm-hmm. hey what you're saying is in contrast with one of your core values right yeah and so think about like a, a leadership team and the same company understanding this about each other you can navigate those complex crucial conversations that are so hard to have normally mm-hmm. you can navigate them easier and you can also see when they're going awry and you can try to put them hey look like you know no offense but what you're doing starts is starting to look like it's going against what you say is core to you mm. and i think that you know it helps the conversations you know get back on track or, or or never get off track to begin with yeah and one thing um that you mentioned about in order to uh, finding your values you know so yeah one thing i wanted to mention there is that when it comes to the values a lot of time like one thing is like we feel like oh, i need to create the values actually one big realization for me was that our core values they already lies into our daily actions and choices and the routine that we maintain so it's already there you just have to discover it you know it's not something that you have to pick up a fancy word uh to describe you know who you want to be or who you are yeah. but it's more like you know the exercise the exercise actually that i followed to find my core values uh, um I'll actually share what are my core values, you know, as we are on the topic of the core values. So my core values are growth, peace, and spirituality. So I call it uh, GPS, you know, so that's mm-hmm. my GPS, like growth, peace, and spirituality. Um, and I didn't know 
and I just found out, like, I mean, I, I discovered them last year um, when I was in a workshop and we went through kind of like a similar exercise about like, what are those um, values that resonate with you that you feel inspired about? And we, and like, you know, I, I think I had like 15, 20 words and then we cut it to 10 and they cut it to five and then cut it to three, you know? and the growth piece and spirituality gps that came out and when i put, write it down on a piece of paper um and i was like wow i found my core values and one week later and um, i looked into my i looked at my tattoo so i had this tattoo in 2009 and i tattooed the growth piece and spirituality here and before even like doing this exercise. So that's what I kind of like realized that the, your core values are, has been with me for like 11, 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that. I think that, you know, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like there's probably no harm in doing it when you're young. Cause I think that anytime you start to use these types of thought exercises, there's always going to be positive benefit, but having done it for the first time as an adult mm. was nice because I feel like I was at a point where I was willing to actually be, honest yeah. with myself so it's like you know you just had to take the opportunity to be honest but you knew yeah. it the whole time it was yeah. it was always there yeah and that, that's a kind of like something i noticed that like one uh, you know just look into the daily actions and the decisions that we make you know i think that is already a core values there you know because that kind of like knowingly or unknowingly it is already guiding you to pick the path because a lot of time we feel like you know what kind of people we like what kind of work we like, what kind of websites and the the, the books we read, it kind of already tells you, um, you know, the um, your core values. But most important, I think, um, I want not, I mean, before I share, I wanted to ask you that knowing your core value, how it helped or shaped your life and your business. You know, it's, it's, it's like just a tool. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not like into a lot of the foo-foo stuff, trust falls, maybe one of like, kill myself mm -hmm. but like this is the one thing where i felt like really really connected to it but it's just a tool and so like i i think of it is like if i get to a point where i have to make a very very difficult decision and i'm like weighing the options i just try to weigh those options like how do these align or are they misaligned to the core values because yeah. if i can't figure out what to do that could be a tiebreaker you know it, it, it's um it, it it's hard to like like actually like practically like Oh, this is the time that I use my core values, right? Like it's those are things that I always I'm like. I don't know that you ever really will have that definition like that, that mm. example. Mm. But I do see it as like a tool. You know, uh, I want. Well, for instance, okay, so when we decided that I wanted to have core values in the company, to me it was like, well, I don't want to just have a mission statement and that's it. Because I know Enron had a great mission statement, right? And they were a terrible company. So just having a mission statement doesn't really do anything. So it's like, well, okay, well, if you say that lifelong learning is important, how does that manifest in the company? And yeah. so it was almost like I started with, okay, I said that our core value was this. Well, just saying that isn't enough. What would the company have to do in order for it to be manifested in the company? And that's where we came up with this, like what well, we call it a bounty program, hmm. where it's like, if you do these things and these things are all meant to improve your life, either your professional career or your personal life, and we will, as a company, incentivize you. So that would be mm. one. I love um, that. With regard to community, uh, I'm always, like I said, I, I, I'm deeply involved in everything I do. There's no surface level uh, things with me. I, I just, I just don't, I can't do it. Um, mm. So 
like I said, it's like, you know, you know, when I get involved in communities, I get deeply involved in communities. I don't just, you know, it's like, you know, I try to find all the people in WordPress who have helped me and, you know, connect with them in some way on a, on a more personal level. Um, and, you know, now that I'm older, it's like, you know, I, I, I would do the same in reverse and just, you know, mentor anyone who was trying to figure that out. Um, but in resilience, that's an easy one, right? It's just, you know, yeah. get up, try again, don't quit. You know, I was just the other day thinking about the only, the only commonality that I've found in all the people who are successful mm. as entrepreneurs is just that they just lasted. Mm. They just made it. And so a lot of times it's like, you have to structure your life around what is it that I need to change in my life so that I can last longer, you know? So, you know, because mortgages, expensive cars, you know, like expensive vacations, all these things are going to require you to have a lot more money than you're going to have when you start. Yeah. Being aware that like, if it is, if there is some truth in the fact that it's not the best to succeed, it's the people who last, then how do you structure your life? Some people have more privilege than others. And so it's like, you know, you, you might not have the same privilege that I had. And so like, you yeah. might have to do things that I didn't have to do. And, and that's just part of it, but there's a, a resilience to it. Like if you get up and you keep going at some point, a door will open. That, mm. That's why we, like when you look out, right. And you say like, yeah. this guy isn't the best. How is he? How? It's because he lasted or she, right. It has nothing to do with their talent. Their talent got them to the conversation. Hmm. But success beyond that is really just having the opportunity to be there when that door opened. Yeah. And the only way to be there is not give up. And so it's like it's you know it's a it's a hard thing to say when people have debt and they have families and things like that. I get it. Right. Um, and people do it all the time. I didn't. You know, like I structured my entire life around hmm. like making this work. Hmm. A decade of what many would consider to be, you know, a terrible income. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So one way I look at my values are usually it helps me to in decision making, but most importantly in the decision making where I start comparing like my business with other business or my life with others life. At that point, it helps me as like, you know, there's someone, someone else business, or someone else's life is different because that those are that they have a different values, you know. And so that that that's kind of like in 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 the way of comparison, like when you define the goals, personal goals or business goals. Uh, I think it helps me a lot in that sense uh, when I check those with my values, and it gives me, uh, as you mentioned about for you, I think it's tool for my me. I'm more it's more like a validation. It gives me tells me why I do what I do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. So, um, Rich, next question I wanted to ask you about the work-life balance, you know, because that's kind of like something that I have observed that a lot of people uh, in the WordPress or outside WordPress, just in general, entrepreneurs and high achievers, they struggle a lot uh, to find that balance because the, we all want to grow and we also want to, you know, make sure that uh, we continue to achieve what we uh, desire for, but also uh, in this process or journey, a lot of uh, us burn out or, you know, feel dissatisfied or ask the question about um, uh, what is the cost to pay for this growth, you know, and that's where the peaceful growth in, comes into the picture, like, you know, how we can kind of find the balance 
So that's the question I wanted to ask you that how do you um, manage the growth and you know the 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 efforts that you need to put in order to to achieve that and how do you balance uh, the work and life in this sense? Oof. Yeah, I, I always say that I, I work every moment I can so I can take off any time I want. Um, and uh, so that means that like I'll work on a Sunday, I'll work on a Friday night. You know, it, to me, there's no off limits to when work can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will, you know, give me the opportunity to say, I don't want to work Tuesday at all. Right. And so to me, it's that, you know, and this this is such a DNA thing. And I think that um, as part of the journey that people have, they have to really start to listen to their bodies, their physical bodies, their their mental bodies, and and go with them, not against them. So for me, it was uh, getting healthy. You know, I um, you know, I was a big drinker in my twenties. I, I I gave up drinking at thirty, so it's you know I'm forty three now. So thirteen years without alcohol, I would say that that basically was the foundation for my health. Uh, not drinking has allowed me to get great sleep, you know, without good foundational sleep. I don't know how anyone does anything and most people don't get good sleep. So, you know, figure these things out and then be disciplined, but be disciplined with regard to how your body tells you it wants to do things. Uh, there's no, there's no general plan. Eat food that makes you feel good. Remove food that doesn't make you feel good. You know what I mean? If you're super thin and you need more caloric intake, eat as much ice cream as you want, right? Like there's ways to do things that are going to be contrary to what the general, you know, um, plans would be because we're not general, you know? So it's that it's, it's get your health in line. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's all of that. And then once you have that, I think you'll have more energy to work because I think that, you know, the, the downside to this lifestyle is that it's not a nine to five. And, and those that make it a nine to five are the outliers. I mean, like I look at them and I'm like, this is incredible that you've done that. It's not going to happen for me. And and even if I could do it, um, this has become my hobby in addition to my business. And so I'm not going out and spending a couple hours a week mountain biking. Like, you know, maybe that would somebody, or I don't, you know, golf. It's like, this is what draws my attention, you know? So I don't really know that I would say that I have good work-life balance, but I would say that I'm happy um, and I don't regret the time that I spend on work. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have the ability, if that were to change, to to implement something different in my life. Um, but, you know, all, all the things that I think are obvious, like everyone should have a therapist and, and speak to them as often as possible. I, you know, the therapist that I speak to, I speak to every other week and almost always it's business stuff. And she has, she's not a business therapist. It's just what yeah. comes up, what's in my head all the time. And so we talk about that a lot. It's nice having someone to talk to who doesn't care, mm. who doesn't have any alter motives. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just that it's like, you know, if you're, you know, if you can go to the gym you know, there's it's just all these things that are like, they're obvious to me now, but they weren't 20 years ago. And then, um, you know, as best as possible, be disciplined. I, I feel like most entrepreneurs that are not entrepreneurs, any entrepreneur that's made it to a point where they, they're like, this is working. Like, I, you know, like, I believe in myself. I'm not, you know, I'm not just, you know, going through the motions. It's actually, work. I think there's a requirement there of discipline. Hmm. But I think I can say, remember to be disciplined because like, you know, 
I'm the type of person who, you know, either my apartment is spotless or it's like a bomb went off. <laughs> either I am like, you know, up at 4.30, you know, gym, eating yeah. three, four times a day or, or like, you know what I mean? It's all over the place. And so it's like just remembering to just say, hey, hey get back on track, be disciplined. Yeah. You have the ability to do this and do it. And then, you know, forgive yourself when you cheat or when you like, you know, you have a bad week. Yeah. Um, but always just try to draw yourself back. For me, it's Sunday. It's like Sunday's mm -hmm. prep day, you know, clean the apartment, laundry, prep the week, you know, get everything together in bed as early as I possibly can and give myself the opportunity to have that really disciplined week. Right. Um, but yeah, and I'm single, right? I think that, you know, I didn't, I, I don't want to set up like my life, uh, is very, very different than most people's lives. Like everyone in my networking has families, has children. I don't. And I have to remind myself that like the ability for me to do a lot of these things has to do with that fact. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I would say is like with, with work-life balance is like, don't listen to me if you don't have the same type of lifestyle. Find somebody <laughs> who, who has a similar lifestyle outside of work and listen yeah. to them or ask them, how do you do it? Because um, finding people who are similar in that sense is mm. probably really, really important. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point that yeah. it's very important to, um, to to find out the people who have the similar environment and the similar set of data set, you know, before you compare uh, what is right or wrong or what is good or best for you. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So I have a couple uh, short and quick questions. Uh, it's more like a lightning round, you know. So uh, the one is, um, what's your biggest new learning in 2023 till date? Yeah, like the the difference between how I do something and somebody else does something, no one notices but me. So like again, like the diminishing returns and just mm. give people more opportunity to take things off my plate, and then react to the success of that based on the client, not how I would have done it. Mm. Right? Because like every now and again, I have to take off. Things get done. I wouldn't have done it that way. Turns out it was perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, do you listen to other podcasts? Uh, you know that you maybe recommend to other entrepreneurs. Yeah, I got a, a friend of mine, Brian Castle, has a podcast called Bootstrap Web. That's a okay. that's a fun one if you're um, into you know software type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Starts with the rest of us. Uh, Rob Walling, uh, his podcast is great. What's the second one? Startups for the rest of us. Okay, startups for the rest of us. Yeah, we'll put all this uh, into show notes as well. But yeah, I think it will be cool to to mention some of the podcasts that uh, entrepreneurs like you and me listen to. Yeah, those are the two that I that I listen to most. Hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, I I haven't listened to many in a while. I go through phases with that type of stuff. Yeah. Great. Uh, so, Rich, I think we are. Um, uh, getting close to to wrapping this up. Um, is there anything else that you would like to mention uh, before we uh, we finally wrap it, wrap it up? No, no, it's, it's good. Yeah, great. Um, I have one last question, and then we will bring it this bring this to the home. That uh, like I always ask all my guests that who should I interview next from your uh, that you know that would be a good fit for this podcast. As a guest, I think Brian Castle would be good. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's got a, a product called Clarity Flow. Okay. Software 
coaches, and he's the co-host of Bootstrap Web. Oh, nice. Great. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I would love to have him, uh, and uh, we'll reach out to him and see uh, if we can work out something together. Sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. And the last thing is, Rich, how uh, people can find you online and learn more about what you do and your business does. Oh, I'm so... I, I... I'm so bad online. Uh, my handle on Twitter is Rich Stats. Uh, my last name is S T A A T S. Uh, you can catch me there, uh, or you could just drop a note from the website Secret Stash. Stash spelled like a mustache. We didn't mention that in the beginning. S T A C A P. Yeah, but those are probably the two best ways to get a hold of me. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, thanks, Rich. It was really. Uh, fun talking to you and I think there are a lot of things that we touched upon like values and some of the entrepreneurship journey and most importantly you know that how um, we all kind of like look into the perspective of work-life balance and, and and some of those importance on that so thank you for sharing all your insights and experience um, and it was really fun having you here on this episode yeah sounds good thank you thank you bye take care Thank you so much for listening to Peaceful Growth. Sign up for my newsletter, Learn and Grow, on anilg.substack.com to get more personal growth and work-life balance tips delivered to your inbox weekly. Also, check out the show notes of this episode to get access to all the resources mentioned during this interview. May the peace and growth be with you.